want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Graydon Bulick Show. I hope you all are having a great Wednesday. It's been good for me. I've been able to just work on some things, uh, get the information, the content ready for you guys. Um, so hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a great week. And uh, we're five days away from September. So hopefully you can hold out a little bit longer here in August as we keep going. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the NBA bubble and the NBA restart and how all that kind of has happened and is continuing with the playoffs. So first, I want to talk about an article I've written, um, and I published it yesterday. Um, it is on thesouthwestern.org. Um, and then if you look up The Great and Bulick Show, uh, my website, it's a Wix site. I don't have a personal domain yet. Um, we're still working to get that. But it's online. Um, it's an op-ed piece, and it's about the NBA bubble and kind of how it started. And if you don't really know, I'll just kind of give you a, a quick review. Um, so, again, back in March, uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19, and the NBA was shut down almost immediately. The next day, several sports associations across the country and across the world shut everything down, and then a few weeks later, we were in a complete lockdown uh, here in the U.S., all that bad news aside, the NBA came up with this plan called the NBA Bubble down in Orlando, Florida um, at Disney World at the ESPN Worldwide Sports Complex. And what they've done is gotten 16 teams uh, all across the NBA, the top eight seeds uh, from each conference, obviously, uh, one seed in, play in game uh, team from the East, the Orlando Magic, and then five from the West were able to come in compete. Uh, they had three scrimmages and then were able to play in the regular season slash seed in games, play in games uh, to see if they can move up into the top eight of their respective conferences. Um, but what they, what the NBA, Disney World, and all of those associations that got together, what they did was split up four teams per hotel, um, and those teams scrimmaged the other teams in the same hotel. Um, they're able to control people from coming in and out of the bubble. Um, you have to quarantine if you leave. All, all stipulations, all the rules. Um, some of what you've seen uh, with Lou Williams leaving the bubble to go to a nightclub uh, from Dennis Schroeder going home to see his family um, uh, with the birth of his, of his child. Um, so there's just been different things that happen. And I, I wrote kind of how it, it happened. It, it came about. But I want to more stick on the side of an interview I did with uh, the sports information director here at Southwestern Oklahoma State uh, University, Doug Self. He and I discussed how the NBA, the MLB, all those professional associations, uh, not just here in the U.S., but across the world, uh, the Premier League, Serie A in Italy, um, those, are, those are soccer uh, associations. Those professional leagues, sports leagues, have been able to conduct under a certain bubble uh the nfl even is, is starting back up again and those those teams are i think there is media availability but i think it's very limited i think it's very uh monitored very um protocol based to where people not just anybody and fans aren't allowed into the arenas practice fields etc so what we talked about was how that is completely different than in college athletics where you don't have that bubble 
everybody is interacting with everybody. You can't control what the student athlete does. Whereas the NBA, it's a job. You have a contract. You can tell people, hey, you can't leave. If you leave, you're going to be kicked off the team, kicked out of the bubble, not able to come back, whatever. Suspended, fined. You can do all of those things. But at the college level, that's not a possibility. Yeah, you can kick somebody off the team, but how are you going to actually know whether or not that athlete left? And so what we discussed was how the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the MAC, uh, certain other Division One schools, and all the Division Two conferences made the decision to postpone all fall sports, and the NCAA decided to cancel all fall championships. How, how are the schools going to be able to handle the protocols, handle the stipulations put on them by the NCAA, by the schools, to make sure they're allowed to play in the spring? And... A lot of it costs money. That is why the NBA has the bubble. That is why hockey, uh, the NHL, is able to play in arenas with no fans. And it's just one of those things where it's so hard as a college athlete to be told you're not going to be able to compete and do what you came to school to do. And I understand academics is the top priority at school. But as an athlete, you go to a school, you come to a school to compete, you come to a school to play a sport. And yes, academics are the number one goal. Your number one goal is to graduate. But if you're good enough, you want to go play at the next level. And so a lot of these athletes are not getting that opportunity to show what they can do. And that that really is is part of the article um, that I wrote uh, about the interview with Doug Self and then part of the the NBA bubble, but um, now to more the sports side of the things. The NBA bubble has been excellent to watch. Um, at first, it was a little rough. Uh, we had a lot of sloppy play, um, but uh, and, and even one announcer called it uh, the uh, looks like the LA Fitness Center at 3 p.m. Uh, talking about uh, a game, and he wasn't wrong. It was pretty sloppy. But all that aside, it, you could definitely tell that these players, these teams, have not been together for five months. Um, they were allowed to start back in, I believe, June uh, and July doing separate uh, team workouts and then were able to come together as complete teams and then head to Orlando, quarantine for two weeks, you know, yada, yada, the whole the whole nine yards. But other than the beginning, the, the playoffs have been great. Uh, we've seen a lot of younger stars, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, those guys really step up and be leaders for their teams. Um, and first, I want to talk about uh, the L.A. Clippers series uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic has been going absolutely off. He's been averaging over 35 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, and 11.6 assists. This man, this 21-year-old kid, has been averaging a triple-double in the NBA bubble. He tied the series 2-2 with a massive, massive game. Hitting the game winner. And the last time that happened in the playoffs was when... The last time that happened was with Vince Carter. But Luka did it without star forward Kristaps Porzingis. Star, center, however you want to call it. Kristaps Porzingis has been out with uh, a, a knee injury. And we saw it last night, uh, a pretty apparent after Morris stepped on the back of Luka Doncic's shoe on his left foot. Um, and it looked pretty 
pretty uh, apparent that he did it on purpose, but we're not going to get into that here because, honestly, I don't really care whether or not he did it on purpose. If he did, he did. He says he didn't, so I'm just going to take him at his word and move on. Um, but Luca was definitely hurting last night, and I don't know if anybody else could see that, if anybody else agrees, but Luca was definitely not the same Luca he was in game four. But I think a lot of that had to do, <clears throat> excuse me, with he didn't have anybody else playing with him. The Mavs just looked, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It just looked bad last night. And I think that has to deal with, I think they're tired. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit, the mental side of everything, uh, when we talk about Paul George. But Luka look, just looked exhausted. He went, let me look. Six for 17, which is 35%. He did hit one three, one for six. He did have nine free throws. He went nine of 14, which isn't very good. Um, he still had eight rebounds, four assists. He had 22. He ended with 22, which for Luka, that's just six points under his average. So, in all in all, he really didn't have that bad of a game. It's just nobody else, nobody else did anything. I mean, he looked completely helpless out there. He was frustrated all night long. I think the Clippers talking to him. Apparently, Marcus Morris has been talking to him the whole series. Montrez Harrell said what he said a couple of days ago, or a couple of games ago. I mean, I don't know. Luka just looks exhausted mentally and physically. Kristaps needs to come back if Dallas wants to win the series. I mean, they got absolutely blown out, 154-111. to 111. That's the most points the Mavs have ever given up in a playoff game. That's the most points the Clippers have ever scored in a playoff game. They hit 22, th 22 threes, the Clippers did, in that game, which is another franchise record. I mean, it just looked bad from the Mavs last night. The Clippers were hitting everything. They shot 63% from the field, which is absolutely unheard of. Um, and it just, the Mavs looked exhausted. They didn't look ready. Shaq said it on TNT last night. The the Clippers were the the ready team. It didn't even look like the Mavs came out of the hotel. I mean, it just it was bad. But I think that goes to show how huge Kristaps Porzingis is for Luka Doncic and the Mavs. I mean, there were six technicals too given last night, so that goes in back into the mental side of things. Um, but the Mavs looked bad. The Clippers looked great. Paul George, again, finally stepped up. He ended with 35 points last night. He shot, let's look at this. He shot 12 of 18, which is 66.7%. He went 4 of 8 from the three-point line. 100% on free throws. Only had two turnovers. Playoff P showed up last night. And if you didn't catch the game, if you didn't catch his post-game interview, you could definitely tell there was a different energy with Paul George. Paul George talked about last night. He was asked, what's been going on? What took so long for you to kind of be playoff P is what basically what the reporter asked him. And Paul George came back with this. Basically, he was in a dark place. And for athletes, you understand where he's been. You understand what he means by dark place. For those of you who didn't play sports, you know what a dark place is also. Paul George has been dealing with a lot. We all have been. But Paul George is dealing with it differently as well 
along with, excuse me, along with the rest of the NBA teams that are there, the rest of the 16 teams that are there. Paul George has been dealing with the bubble, which is a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing about it is they're still able to play basketball. They're still able to do what they love to do to compete uh, and to use their platform for change. The downside of the bubble, they can't leave. They can't see their families. They can't go out. They have to see the players from the opposing teams. I mean, it's just different. Doc Rivers talked about it a little bit, but Paul George said, I was in a bad place. I was in a dark place. Mentally, I wasn't here. I didn't feel like going. I didn't feel like getting up. I just was in a dark place. I was in a fog. And Paul George really opened up last night, and he didn't didn't specify what he was talking about. Doc Rivers didn't go into detail of what Paul George meant. But these players are dealing with a lot, and I think it goes into the mental health of the bubble. It's weird not playing in front of 30,000 screaming fans. It's weird not being able to go home and go see your family, your wife, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, whoever you live with, at the end of the day after you play a tough game. These players are dealing with a lot, and they don't know how to handle it sometimes. But Paul George reiterated the fact that he thanked the people that brought positivity his 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 mom his dad his family his wife his teammates his coaches his friends fans and a lot of people gave him a lot of crap for the for games uh two through four he was averaging something like 11.3 points per game which isn't paul george at all and a lot of people on social media were berating him, just giving him all sorts of crap. And his teammates were like, man, don't listen to it. They don't know what they're talking about. And part of it, he's right. A lot of the times that people say stuff on social media, I've never played a sport in their entire life. And so half the stuff they say doesn't even matter. So if you're an athlete listening and you're getting crap on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever you use from people who have never stepped on stepped foot on a court or a field, don't listen to them because they don't know what they're talking about. They might look at the stats. They might look at the whatever else fans look at, but they've never stepped on the court against an opponent with a team and understood what you go through as a team. So don't listen to it. And his teammates were trying to get him to, you know, don't listen to it, man. It doesn't matter. And, and Kenny, the jet, uh, Kenny Smith said something last night. Uh, why on earth would he listen to it? And sometimes it just gets to you. Um, sometimes it just gets to you. He found it shocking that if that's what the problem is, and again, no one knows. No one knows but Paul and the people he's talked with and his teammates. And and so I'm really happy Paul George uh, came back with, with a solid game, more than solid, a great game. Um, and, and everybody, I mean, Kawhi said it after game two or game three, how, hey, we're behind Paul George. We're with him. We're going to help him get through whatever he needs to get through with. So, I thought that was amazing from from the Clippers last night. I mean, after just absolutely berating the Mavs, uh, the energy was good all night long for the Clippers. Um, Montrez Harrell came in late in the game, hit a three, and then the very next possession got a got a gimme from Paul George on a dunk. Uh, and I mean, he was acting like there were thirty thousand fans screaming, and it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, 
game game six will be interesting. The Clippers are up three to two, um, so we're we're gonna move on from from that series. Hopefully, Luka Doncic uh, and the Mavericks, along with Kristaps Porzingis, hopefully he can come back and play. So game five of the Lakers Portland series, the Portland Trailblazers versus the Los Angeles Lakers, um, is gonna be probably the series. But we'll see. Uh, Lillard has a knee sprained. Uh, a knee sprained. He sprained his knee um, in game four versus the Lakers. And um, so he's going to be out tonight. And that's really all I have to say about that. I mean, the Blazers came out in game one and shocked the Lakers. A lot of people said, one of my buddies told me that, you know, LeBron's about to about to turn it on. And that he has i mean the lakers have been playing well uh, anthony davis has been playing solid as ever uh, lebron's still doing what he's done for 17 years now in year 17 so i mean lebron lebron and the lakers are probably going to win the series tonight um but yeah so we're going to talk about the rockets thunder series that series is now tied 2-2 uh with game 5 tonight I mean, the Thunder played awful game one and two, but three and four, they have played like they should have. Chris Paul came out and said, you know, I have to do better. Uh, Donovan, uh, Billy Donovan, the head coach, came out and said we have to do better, and that they have. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has been unbelievable as of late. In games one and two in the Houston series, he averaged, sorry, he scored a total of 19 points which is bad. Uh, but in games three and four, in game three, he had 29 points. And in game four, he had 30 points. So Dennis Schroeder has been the guy off the bench for Billy Donovan and the Thunder. And luckily, their defense picked up in game four at the end. I was able to watch it. I was in a meeting, but uh, one of my buddies FaceTimed it for me. It was pretty awesome. But... At the beginning of game four and all the way through the third quarter, we the Thunder couldn't play defense. They were letting people drive by him, shoot open threes. I mean, it was just bad. Everybody was getting blown by, and there was no help defense, and it was just bad. But the fourth quarter, and especially the last probably eight minutes, the Thunder just completely took over the defensive side of that game. And Russell Westbrook, of course, has been out. He's going to test the quad today and see if he can play tonight. But, I mean, man, the Thunder have been playing really well after they said they turned around and that they have. Uh, really wanting to see more from Steven Adams. I know he doesn't do much on the scoring side, but that he's such an anchor defensively, offensively for the Thunder. Um, and I know Chris Paul is probably the more outspoken leader, but Steven Adams just works his tail off. Day in and day out, game in, game out. I mean, he just does everything he possibly can for that Oklahoma City Thunder team, and I'm really looking forward to see him step up a little bit more. Um, Dennis Schroeder continued to do what he's doing. Um, he's playing great. Um, and the Thunder are going to need that Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. I mean, those guys, those guys have been playing lights out. And if Russell Westbrook does come back, we'll see how healthy he is. I mean, he hasn't played in four games. 
So we'll see. It's going to be interesting uh, to see how the Rockets handle this. They're going to have to pack it in the paint and, and make the Rockets play defense inside because they just don't have any size to, to handle Steven Adams, to handle Nerlens Noel, to handle Lou, Lou Dort. Oh, and Lugans Dort, oh my goodness, his defense on James Harden has been unbelievable. Yeah, James is still getting his 25 to 30 points, but Lugans Dort is making work for every single bucket. And so he needs to continue to play in defense like he is against James Harden. Um, and the Thunder, the Thunder can really pull it out. They're just going to have to play, you know, the Lakers in the the second round, which sucks. But, you know, that's just how it is. So now on to the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets series. Excuse me. Jamal Murray. Oh, my goodness. So we all know about the 50-point game him and Donovan Mitchell shared the other night in game three. But Jamal Murray went off again last night for 42 points. He went 17 of 26, had eight rebounds and eight assists. This man took control. Him and Nikola Jokic both played the entire second half, all of it. Didn't have a single break in the second half. Nikola Jokic also had 31. The majority of that, yeah, coming in the first half with 33 of Jamal Murray's 42 coming in the second. But still, I mean, those guys have been playing lights out and like crazy lately. And the Nuggets remain alive. They stayed alive. They're they're down one game in a 3-2 series right now uh, to the Utah Jazz. Uh, last night they won 117-107. to 107. And Jamal Murray has just been playing like crazy. I mean, last night he had he had 43 points, 42 points, sorry. He shot 65.4%, went 17 of 26, went 50% from the three-point line, had eight points, or excuse me, eight rebounds and eight assists, and zero turnovers. Talk about a point guard. I mean, he... he He's been playing crazy. He's been playing really, really well for the Denver Nuggets. And they're, if they're going to come back and win the series, um, he's going to have to continue to do so. Nikola Jokic, uh, he's going to have to continue to play play his game. Um, I mean, we all know what he's capable of, this man. I mean, he's averaging 20 points per game this year, nine rebounds and seven assists. I mean, he's he's just so solid. And he doesn't really do it with a lot of flash. He just plays hard. I mean, he had 31, 29, 15, 28, and 29 in the series. I mean, he's just consistent. He does what you ask him to do, and he doesn't complain about it. He works hard, and he's just solid. Now, the Jazz are just going to have to figure out how to stop him. Because, I mean, they played solid defense last night. It's just Jamal Murray was doing whatever he wanted to, and no one was going to stop him. So they're going to have to figure out how to how to defend. Um, Denver's defense could have been better. I mean, again, they only won by 10 points last night. And Utah really wasn't playing that well offensively. It's just too many mental mistakes. Too many mental mistakes. Michael Porter Jr., I mean, he's a great scorer. He can do whatever he wants on the offensive side of the floor. It's just defensively, he, he seemed like he didn't know where he was at last night. His defensive awareness was not there. 
um, at the end of the game when all he had to do was hold the basketball. He tried to dribble in between two people, got the ball stolen, and then Utah scores, cuts it to the six. I mean, there's just – there's no excuse. And Michael Porter, he's a young player, so he's going to have to continue to learn and continue to grow. Um, and he will. I mean, he's just that good of a basketball player. But last night, I mean, there were several moments where it just seemed like he didn't know what was happening and when. So hopefully he can get that fixed um, and Denver can – can come back, um, and Utah has another chance to close it out. So we'll see if Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz can end the Denver Nuggets series. Uh, but, man, if if Jamal Murray continues to play like he has been in games three and four, excuse me, games four and five, uh, scoring 92 points in two games, I just I don't see that happening. Um and I, I honestly, I, if, if Jamal Murray continues to play like he has been, Denver will win this series. So now moving on to the Eastern Conference, we're just going to talk about one series on that side of the bracket. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers series where the Boston Celtics swept 4-0 the Sixers. Um, and this comes after making it to the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago where Kawhi hit that crazy four-bounce around the rim shot um, to send the Sixers home. But it was just bad from from the Sixers they, in the bubble. They split the seeding games 4-4, losing to the Raptors, the Blazers, the Suns, and the Magic. Oh, we will get to the Suns here momentarily um, because we're not going to let them go unnoticed. So Embiid only averaged nine points in the seeding games, which is pretty bad. But in the first round, he averaged almost 30. Again, Simmons wasn't there because of an injury on his left knee. Um, he had surgery earlier this month, um, and apparently he's doing better. Um, but without him, the 76ers struggled to find any consistent play from anybody else except Embiid. Um, and then, which this came... Has no shock to anybody uh, what most solid teams do after they get booted out of the first round uh, with a guy who's been there for a little bit. They fired their head coach, Brett Brown, um, and he was hired back in 2013 and really turned the Sixers around. I mean, you guys who follow the NBA remember how atrocious the Sixers were for the longest time, and Brett Brown came in. Brought in Embiid, brought in Simmons, and really turned turned that association around. Um, and so, they're out. I mean, they're done. Boston played exceptionally well. Uh, Jason Tatum has continued to prove he's a super. He's a young superstar in the making. Um, the man's a star. There's no doubt about that. But he's going to be one of the greatest to play. He just has it in him, um, and he's going to continue to carry the Celtics. But, I mean, it's just – it's tough to see from the Sixers after doing so well last year and then not even making it out of the first round a year later. I mean, just rough. Uh, just rough from the Sixers. I mean, it was tough that Simmons was out, um, but you got to have more than two guys to win a basketball game. So, we'll see what happens, though. The Sixers are now looking for a head coach, uh, Tyron Liu. I mean, there are several people in the conversation uh, – Greg Popovich, 
Uh, the Nets are apparently looking for another head coach, and they're looking at Greg Popovich, and that'll be interesting with the whole Kyrie complex. But it's going to be interesting to see how, how things shape up. I really don't see Pop leaving the Spurs, but we'll see. The moving on to the Suns. The Phoenix Suns are the talk of the bubble. Um, they they were the only team to finish 8-0. I mean, they they played great. Devin Booker averaged 30 points in the bubble. The Suns were the 13th seed in the West. They had a, they needed a lot of good things to happen in their favor for them to be able to make the playoffs. Um, they needed teams to lose, including Portland, Memphis. But in the seeding games, they won all three of their, their scrimmage games, obviously. But in the seeding games... Uh, they beat the Pacers, the Miami Heat, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Dallas Mavericks. And the Suns are, are now not the Suns of old. They're they're on the up and coming. And I think it'll be interesting to see where Devin Booker takes his team. The head coach of the Suns even said, this isn't the Suns you're used to. This is a different team. This is a different feel. And I think it'll be really, really interesting to see how that shapes up over over the coming seasons. Um, and as Devin Booker continues to grow and get better, I mean, this man's good now. Uh, and don't forget, he was a sixth man at Kentucky uh, when he played for Coach John Calipari. So, yeah, this man, Devin Booker, has been playing unbelievably well. And it'll be really interesting to see where, again, where the Suns team, team goes. To highlight some of the games uh, going on tonight and this afternoon, uh, the first game of the afternoon will be the Orlando Magic versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they are playing in Game Five. Milwaukee leads the series three to one, um, and that is on at three o'clock on NBA TV. The Bucks are going to look to close out the series, and then the second game of the first game of the evening, second game of the day, is going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Houston Rockets. With that, again, that series is tied 2-2. Two, two. Um, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul leading the Thunder back uh, to tie that series up. And that is on TNT at 5.30 this evening, Central Time. And then the nightcap will be the Trailblazers versus the Lakers in Game 5. Uh, the Lakers take, hopefully, will take a 4-1 series lead and end it tonight. Um, that'll be the biggest, biggest hope for those uh, for the Lakers, and that is on at eight o'clock tonight on TNT Central Time. So uh, those are the the games tonight. Uh, we'll have more content about those coming up lately as as those series end and come to a, come to a closer end. Um, but I had something on Twitter and something on Instagram. I didn't get any hits on Instagram, but I got a couple questions on Twitter. Um, my thoughts, uh, this is from Corey Gans. Uh, appreciate you, Corey. Uh, thoughts on the rest of the Thunder Rocket series. Uh, what has been your favorite matchup for the NBA playoffs, either a team or player? Um, and then what is your favorite sport to watch since everything has restarted? I've really been watching a lot of soccer lately uh, and golf. Um, I've been getting into the golf game a little bit more. But uh, soccer and golf have probably been two of my favorites to watch along with basketball. Um, but, but, yeah. Soccer, soccer, and golf. Um, this, the first question you asked, my thoughts on the Rockets-Thunder series. Again, if Dennis Schroeder can can continue to play like he has been, and if Chris Paul can continue to lead, then I think the Thunder have a really good chance at beating the Rockets. Um, and I'm not going to look ahead, 
But the Rockets, I mean, if Russell comes back, that's going to be another task. I mean, because either Harden or Russell can go off for 50. They do it in two completely different ways. James is going to shoot a whole lot more, and Russell's going to be in your face. But, I mean, that that series has been really fun to watch. Um, the, the Thunder game was really exciting the other night in Game 4 when they tied the series. Um, and I really am anxious to see how Lugan Stork continues to play, if he continues to step up like he has been against James Harden. Or if James Harden is just too much and Lucas Dorch just can't do it. Um, but lately and recently, he has been able to do it. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Lucas Stort plays. My favorite matchup, probably the Clippers-Mavs series. I mean, there's been a lot of trash talk. There's been a lot of punches thrown uh, game-wise, not actual punches. Um, but gameplay, Paul George coming, you know, after Luka hit that knockout punch the other night to tie the series. Then Paul George coming back last night with another swing, another hard uppercut to to take a lead and, and kind of quiet the haters, basically. Um, and then saying what he said after the game, that, that series has just been so emotional, um, so aggressive, uh, a lot of trash talk. And some of it's, you know, excessive. Marcus Morris has apparently been saying stuff to Luka Doncic all series, and Luka's just tired of it, and he said, I don't want to talk to him, I don't want to talk about it. Um, I do appreciate Montrez Harrell doing what he did, coming and apologizing after the comments made during Game 3. Um, the comments were unnecessary, um, but everyone knew that. And then he owned up for it. He he took it like a man and apologized, and Luka and him moved on. So, so yeah, probably the Clippers-Mavs series. Um, Thunder Rockets, again, has been very exciting, very interesting to watch. Um, but, yeah, so, Corey, thanks for, thanks for the questions. Uh, another question. Um, I'm not going to exactly use words, but it was basically the, the struggles that Paul George has had. And, uh, that question came from Devin Owsley. Thank you, Devin, uh, for the question. But I mean, it's Devin, you know, um, and all you, all you athletes and every, everyone understands there's things people go through and it's hard for us to do what we need to do sometimes because, there's just a lot going on mentally. There's a lot going on physically. You're exhausted. You don't get to see people. I mean, it's just there's so much going on that you don't necessarily know. And so that's why I think as fans and as people who have played, it's it's easy to be critical of somebody who's doing something we are not. And it's basketball. It's a game. It's really not that important. Well, to a lot of these guys, it's their livelihood. And sports are important to a lot of people. So I think as fans, we need to – appreciate what they do yeah we can say whatever we want but if you can say something why say something to tear somebody down um but yeah paul george you know he shut all the haters up so Devin, he kind of shut you up last night with a with a 30 point game and so we'll see how he continues to play and playoff p came out to play so so yeah and then i had another another question from at colby cornell uh we appreciate you uh I appreciate the the question and uh, yeah, Tobias's head, Tobias Harris's head versus the court floor probably hurt, and I'm gonna say the court won. So uh, so yeah, I really appreciate all the questions. Uh, hit me up on all my social medias: the underscore gb underscore show, um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, so yeah, just give me a follow. Um, you can find it on Apple Music, on Anchor on anywhere so uh yeah just continue to keep the content coming i will continue to produce it uh we i love you guys i really appreciate uh, all the help all the support with that being said have a great rest of your day have a great rest of your week and 
This is Graydon Bulick signing off for The Graydon Bulick Show. We'll see you next time.